Yeah, uh, so welcome to the Homestuck. <laughs> welcome to the Homestuck. I'm Alex. Alex, have you read Homestuck before? No. Why do you mention it? Um, well, because I have. Oh. Um, well, maybe we should, like, talk about that. I think that's a good idea. Uh, is that our opener? What's what's your name? What's your name? Oh, my name's Lydia. Uh, did I how, say I've read how, it before? How, how have you read it before? I super have read it before. Nice. <laughs> we're like, we're so unfunny, we're like anti-funny. <laughs> no, that was good. So this week we are reading pages 3307 through 3401, which is part of Act 4. I think we're still in relatively the beginning-ish bits of it. Um, I'll look up statistics eventually on, on how far along we are. It'd be nice if we had a progress bar in every post. Yeah, that that would be a lot of work, but... Not really. It's, a, you know, you... you oh, yeah, I guess it's d- just like a Divide two numbers every I guess week. it's not a lot of work at all. No. Um, maybe we should do that. Before before we get into the reading, what? I want to ask you, Lydia, what? how you feel about Homestuck being over now. Oh, God. Uh, I was supposed to read part of the more recent material, too, just to, like, get myself hyped for it. And, like, so here's the thing. I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I'm about 1,200 pages behind on Homestuck. <laughs> Which uh-huh. is non-negligible. Uh-huh. Um, how do I feel that it's ending? Honestly, I was really... No, no, not just ending. It is over. It, it is, is over. Done. Yeah, it no, has, I know. It has ended. It ended. God, we, we should have made much more of that, shouldn't we? Folks, Homestuck is dead. Long live Homestuck. <laughs> he is going to post an epilogue at some point, but he said that might take a really long time. And, you know, there's a game coming out. And, like, I'm pretty sure the Homestuck fan work... Verse may be, like, the largest and may, maybe not the the largest in terms of total volume of extant material, but it is certainly the most vibrant. Like, there's a lot of really, really robust fan stuff going on. There's entire alternate universe. There's so many entire, like, alternate universe canons yeah. floating around. Like, if you want more Homestuck content, it's, God, it is so out there. And so much of it is, like, I don't know. People talk shit about the Homestuck fandom, but, like, also a lot of really good, really high-quality stuff is there. I think I think one thing no one can say about the Homestuck fandom is that they're not creative. That's very true. Yeah. Man. Which, because, like, there's so much good... There's just so much good material in this comic. Yeah. We haven't even... We haven't even begun to approach a lot of the really meaty stuff and, like, ah... It gets so big and so weird and and yet so personal, like it's awesome. Um, how do I feel about it ending? Or how about how do I feel about its end? Yes. Um I'm not sad that it's ended yet, because it's like I don't know, I'm not caught up and I haven't had a chance to watch the ending yet. Um I think when I finally do catch up and watch the ending, which I'll probably be doing over the next couple weeks so mm-hmm. that I can log into Tumblr again. <laughs> um, it'll be sad, but 
it does feel really distant to me in a way that I don't know if it does to a lot of people who have been like actively involved in the community. Um, right. It's, I guess a cool reminder. I had forgotten how, like, I forget how big the fandom is and how intense it is. It's really cool to, I mean, I'm kind of on the outside of it still, but it's really cool to see it in action. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of weird. Um, just like, cause it, like the, the ending went up, right? Like yeah. mid midnight on four thirteen. Yeah, and I just saw like all the comic creators I follow on Twitter, just be like, "Bye, Homestuck. Thanks for everything." And like people that obviously they're people on the internet and they're comic aficionados, so they're gonna have read Homestuck. But I just have like no association of them with Homestuck, so it's like, oh, right. And then some of them are like, "Here's the first like fan art I drew on the forums back in the day." And then others are like, oh my god, I remember this. I'm like, oh my god. That's so, oh god, I don't follow many art. I don't follow almost anyone that I don't personally know anymore. So I don't, I missed that. And that's so sad. Yeah. That's such a lovely moment. Yeah, it's, you don't even realize how many people actually read this comic. Because for every, like, vocal homestuck, like, there are a bajillion other people who read this thing. Who just read it, yeah, without, yeah. We should probably talk about this comic. We should, but like... I mean, in specifics, this reading. Now, now I'm sad about it, though. It took oh. that. It took... Like, it's the... Part of it is that I Tumblr saviored all the Homestuck tags, so I didn't see all of the... Because I was like, I don't want to be spoiled, forgetting that, like, the whole reason I like this comic is I like getting spoiled about things that'll happen in, in the future. <laughs> um, But... I guess I, I didn't partake in, like, this the sadness in a real way, and, and now kind of talking about it, it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's over, guys. It's not really over, because obviously, like, everyone's, you know, it's gonna stay alive, it's, it's gonna be very vibrant. Eventually, God, I'm sure someone's going to make a feature film of it. Uh... <laughs> or many, many feature films. Uh, I don't know. I, well, so I'm talking in the, like, distant, distant future. Okay. Many, many, well, no, actually, that's not true. Now that I think of it, there's plenty of, like, really, um, really epic and extremely impactful works that have yet to be adapted to the screen, and I I don't think ever will be, and I think that's proper. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying I want one. I don't think it would be good. I'm just saying it seems kind of inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's not. I don't know. I kind of hope it is evitable and we get to preserve it in its hypertextual glory. Well, I hope it's edible. A, a film you can eat. I mean, there are books of it. You can, like, you could eat the books if you really wanted to. Yeah. Homestuck, eat a book. Um, alright, so, on page 337, we got a gorgeous animation, and we are introduced to the land of light and rain, which is where Rose has been transported. And it's really, really pretty, and I'm, I'm, I love it, because it's such a, it's such a stark contrast to where, I mean, I I suppose John's land was as well, but... It's such a stark contrast to where Rose was 
before her house is this, like, gloomy mansion in this, like, stormy, burning forest, and, like, it's nighttime, and it's, it's just, well, I don't think it was nighttime, but it was just so stormy and dark, and now it's, like, brilliantly sunny, and the, like, the water is, like, these, like, it's, like, it's pastels, it's, like, mixed pastels, but it's beautiful. Like, it looks yeah. like an oil slick, but if an oil slick was lovely, clear water. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the the clouds are, that look like they're made of gold. Yeah. Um, and, like, this um, stream, or whatever she's in, has this, like, opalescent, very psychedelic kind of quality to it. Like, it looks like an oil slick, but pastel, you're right. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful, like, and it's so, like, and, like, the art here is very detailed, and so, like, you, you see the lighting rendered in lots of really interesting ways. Um, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. And, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a perpetual sun shower, like, there's just these showers of rainbow rain falling, and it all sounds, like, very trite and kind of hideous, but it's really, really lovely. I kept thinking, like, God, I want to go here. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds kind of like Dr. Susie. Um, and that's, like, not wrong, because, like, there's these weird, like, mountains made of white sand, and they look kind of like Dr. Seuss backgrounds, but they're, like, cool-looking. Oh, God, it's so pretty. I... It's so pretty. <laughs> um, and Rose is there. And interestingly, Rose is not... I don't know, I liked that, you know, at no point was Rose played for laughs as, like, oh, like, teen goth, like, hissing at the sun. She's very, like, serene. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's, like, meant to be, it's, like, this big contract, because, like, she also, like, I don't know, she's, like, wearing, like, dark lipstick, and, like, she loves, like, the occult and and all this, but then she Mm -hmm. gets transported to this, like, beautiful, like, brightly lit place, and she's, like, perfectly happy there. Yeah. And, I mean, it's such a nicer place than where John went. Well, I mean, they're both really beautiful, but it definitely feels a lot more serene than John's planet. Right, but I mean, like, because, I mean, like, it's much nicer than, like, the spire of rock that he landed on. Oh, originally, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, like, the land of wind and shade is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, we didn't know about that until very recently. At first we thought he was just, like on this spire of rock in the middle of nowhere, Hmm. surrounded by clouds. Yeah, that was just creepy. Which, I wonder why he was on that and she doesn't land on a spire. Well, she is, I think they all land in an isolated area, but it's just um, because, like, her planet has an ocean, she can just be in the middle of the ocean. Okay. Cool. Um, So, after that, Nice intro. We go back to the Desert Friends. And by back, we do mean to the future. <laughs> and then there's a there's a weird... Um, there's a love triangle getting set up here? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to get uh, deconstructed in some way. Because it just feels too obvious to actually exist in this comic. It doesn't... It's not that it gets deconstructed, but it doesn't get resolved either. It just kind of gets dropped. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's also fine. 
Yeah, it's very... It's a little unsatisfying because I would rather see it deconstructed, um, but it's just... It's, like, kind of put in there for some, like, cheap laughs, and then... Because um, it's, it's nothing egregious. It's just, like, AR and WV are both just, like, trying to impress PM in different ways. WV wants to show her his, like, station and all of his... Uh, his his can town and everything, and AR wants to show her um, some squiddle toys that Jade left in the ruins, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of years ago that he's found, and he thinks that he'll impress her with that, and uh, PM is kind of oblivious to both of their intentions, and... Yeah, because she's actually, like, doing stuff. Yeah, she's got, she's, like, trying to make moves. She knows, she, she's got uh, stuff she got to do. Which is really interesting, like, she she actually has, now that she's delivered the parcel that she was trying to deliver, I guess there's other parcels, mm-hmm. but, like, she, she has a, a purpose, mm-hmm. like, she has motivation right now to, like, keep going. These other guys, I don't know what Aero was doing, like, I don't know how long he was just bumming around in that temple, um, but it, it seems like he doesn't really have much of a thing going on, and now that I'm talking about it and an idea is forming, is that both of them, their, like, archaic uh, role that they're putting on is, like, a sedentary thing, and hers is a traveling thing. Like, she, as the male person, has to go, and they, as the mayor and the judge, have to stay. Interesting. That is is definitely a... Well, so when you talk about archaic roles, we'll get to all that in a minute, but I think I see what the way that you're intending it right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, what I mean is, like, the the, the um, ritualized thing that, that they're they doing now. Yeah. trying to act out, yeah. Um, which is not to be... Conf- well, I mean, let's, uh, let, let's take this one at a time. So, yeah. um, the Wayward Vagabond shows the Peregrine Mendicant inside of his station... Hoping, and I quote that, this is in second person addressing the wayward vagabond, your big computer, what is it? Uh, she would probably get a kick out of your big computer with a weird boy on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> AKA the console that he was using to talk to John. Yeah. Um, and she recognizes John. Yeah. Which, uh, so, did you, Alex, did you pick up on... On this, when you were playing the game last week? Um, I knew that there was a connection between the male uh, system on the planet and PM. Okay. But you didn't catch on. So one of the... What we proceed to see is uh, PM following John as he moves through the game events. Yeah, Through the monitor. So, to me, it seems now that, um, last week, playing the game, we were actually being PM and guiding John around. Because oh. the, the little text boxes yeah. that, that we saw in the game that you, like, that appear when you hover over an item, yeah, those are what she's actually typing in to try to subliminally talk to John. 
Okay, yeah, I didn't realize the extent of that metaphor. I always thought it was just that she was addressing him directly in a few cases, and the rest of the time it was a game mechanic. But you're right, I think, it, yeah, I, that is absolutely how it's intended, is she, she, we were playing PM. That's so cool! You, like, yeah. you pick up new, like, little things every time you revisit this text. It's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, so we kind of just retread the entire, um, game. Mm-hmm. But we also see a couple of new things, like the order in which it, I guess, canonically happened. Like, the he found a couple of items. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens next? Wait. So John, um, John complies with the, the mandates of the economy. He finds some carved mini tablets, and he drops in the items that they call for. Presumably they're from his father, because he's asking for, like, a, a shoe and a hat. Oh, yeah. Um, I see. And then, uh, just before they approach the console, they do walk past Cantown and WV's drawings of some planets in the sky and then a chessboard on the ground. And she takes a moment to look at that. Yeah. Alex, do you get it now? Do you get it? Oh, no. You don't get up! Well, I mean, she recognizes it, obviously. What does she... She recognizes the drawings, you mean? Yeah. Like, of the planets? She recognizes the the map that he's drawn. Okay. Like the, the symbol... Like, the... She recognizes the symbolism of what he's drawn. On the ground, you mean? So the chessboard. And the planets on the wall. Okay. Okay, so we basically saw, so since since we know that Alex is now on the same page, <laughs> I think it's fair to um, break down those drawings a little bit because they they give us a fair bit of insight on what's going on in the in the medium in this instance of the medium. So we're revisiting those chalk drawings that WV made forever ago inside of his station, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got you know he's got a blue sky. And there are four planets in it. And at the time, they just kind of seemed nonsensical. I mean, the fact that he specifically drew these four planets with these sort of distinctive appearances should have told you something. But um, mm-hmm. we've got these four planets, and now that we've seen two of them, it's it's uh, a little more clear that this is a map of, like, the cosmos of this... Of, of the medium? Yeah. Okay. Alright, so the third one is obviously the land of uh, sun and rain. The land of light and rain, yeah. Land of light and rain, because it has the uh, pastel ocean and the gold clouds. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot tell which of them is the land of uh, wind and shade. Is it the fourth one? It is, yeah. So that's, uh, it's sort of symbolically rendered, where it's a black planet, like, dripping down the wall, and uh, it's got gray clouds all around it. Yeah. Um, and then there's two planets that I guess we haven't seen yet, and one of them looks like a gear with some, like, fiery stuff inside, and what looks like a rock around it, and I can't remember what that represents. I I, I think that is just, like, the wall's a different color there, but I'm not sure. Oh, possibly. Because um... it, it's, like, it's not drawn on, it's, like, hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah, possible. We'll see. I think that may. I think I know what that represents, and I don't want to give it away. 
Okay, yeah, um, I, know, I think it probably still represents something. Yeah. Um, but then the fourth planet is, it almost looks like Earth, mm-hmm. but out of the top of it is, like, an enormous volcano yeah. that is spewing fire. Yeah. And, like, the volcano will look like it's, like, covering the entire top half of the planet. Yep. Which should Great. not be, you know, cosmologically possible, but... But, I mean, you know... Neither should a gear-shaped planet, so... Neither should, uh, you know, a hexahedral planet. Uh-huh. Or moon. So... Uh, it's eh. fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so that's... Those are... Those are the four planets. Um, notice also the number of children. Oh, whoa. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> Mind blown. Um, and then there is the chessboard on the ground, which is sort of an allegory for, um, for Skya, like right. the insides of Skya, which are supposedly some kind of like high dimensional, vaguely chess themed duality of creative forces. Yeah. With, you know, pawns yeah. flitting about. Um, so, okay. So we, so we broke that down. Now you know about space. You're welcome. <laughs> this was this has been Cosmos. Thanks for tuning in. Um, okay, so then then we recap the game with PM, and then we cut right over to someone with very fancy script, voice, font writing, talking to Rose. Um. Yes, I just wanted to ask, um, do the, uh, Carapace people speak to each other? Because they seem to just, like, intuit each other's reactions instead of, like, saying words out loud. That's interesting. Yeah, they don't seem to be speaking to each other. Jack speaks, right? Uh, he does. Okay. I think, I think it's safe to assume that, like... They are speaking, and then just the the style in which these it's stories are re- yeah. told is... is just, like, describing their reactions instead of giving their dialogue. Yeah, I mean, the dialogue is entirely superfluous, right. I would think. I, I kind of almost prefer to imagine just, like, they kind of chirp at each other Aww. and, like, shove objects into each other's hands and then just, like, understand the reaction, which is, like, always... Blank eyed stares. Yeah, so that's a really a really cute thing about this is that we almost they don't emote very much a lot of the time. Yeah, they don't they don't really have faces. Um well they have like a mouth they have no nostrils, as you noticed. Yes. Um they have a mouth full of sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. And they have eyes. But um, but you can't see their, their mouths most of the time because they all wear these wraps. Yeah. And also like I think if you just look at their face and they're not opening their mouth, you don't see it. Right. Like anime. Pretty much, yes. It's just a little a little slit. <laughs> Hope Sucka's anime. Um, oh my god. <laughs> the part... So, you guys, the, uh... Um... The part, the part where I just left off on was, um... One of the later intermissions where angry little green skull man is, uh... Scribbling on his tablet. And, uh... Drawing anime. <laughs> anime plays a factor. <laughs> All right. I forgot. I forgot that that comic went to that place, and it just feels so much less pure than 
than this material, but God, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so... Fancy voice font, talking to Rose. Fancy, yeah, someone is speaking in cursive to Rose. Yeah. In the same, like, black and orange, black-orange, uh, bordered text boxes. Um, you say voice font, which is cool. I coin phrases with great abandon when I'm drinking. <laughs> same. Nice. Um, <laughs> and also all the time. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so this voice calls Rose, uh, the seer, which is weird to me, because you would think that Jade is the seer. Right. Um, but Rose doesn't respond, she just kind of looks at the camera with her little wry smile. Right, it's because when, uh, when you're getting sort of nudged by, um, by these people speaking to you through the console, um, you don't so much hear it as just get a general sense. So, like, if they want you to do something, you'll feel it. Imp- if they're telling you to do something, you'll feel an impulse to do it. Yeah. Like, when John is in his father's room, and he just... WV was just, like, screaming can opener at him. And he was like, I don't know why I'm thinking about can openers, but there sure aren't any here. <laughs> yeah, and then he just got stuck because he couldn't get off of the... Uh, can opener idea, but Rose yeah. had locked him into the room for his own safety. Uh-huh. Um, oh man, good times. Oh, a long Sim- time ago. Simpler times. Um, okay, so she is uh, she is being given instructions, which are to go find her pet. Mm-hmm. Um, so she walks out of her house, and she has the umbrella, which like she picked up a while ago, mm-hmm. and now she can use it for this rain. Um, but she sees footsteps in this white sand. Mm-hmm. Someone has already walked out of the house. And then we cut to John. Uh, look at our boy. Look how far we have come. Where, what is this? 3334. I'm... Look how cool he looks now. He looks so cool. You guys, on page 3334, John looks super cool. Oh, I see. You... You link back to the first page. I'm obsessed with, look how far they have come, side-by-side comparisons. Oh, yeah, this is a good, this is a good panel. Yeah, he's like, so it's, the the coloring is very stylized. Um, it's all done, there's no lines, they're all, it's all, like, flat colors. Um, and, like, cell shaded to show, like, firelight. And so everything is, like, teal and, like, flashing, like, orange and, like, dark mm. gray, and John is, like, in his, like, suit with his giant hammers and his gloves and, like, his, like, uh... His computer glasses, glasses flashing, flashing. Yeah! Yeah. And, like, in this, like, mysterious, like, gloomy forest, and it's just so funny to, like... We're, like, barely... We are not even 2,500 pages into this comic yet, and already, if you look back at the first page, it's like, oh, look at this nerd sitting in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his little cargo shorts on, like... <laughs> Um, so, I, I, I did say that, like, the character design gets really cool, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I geeked out a little bit about that particular side-by-side. I guess, uh, I guess I'll put that, we could put that panel in. No, we won't. Yeah. Yes, we will. Well, we just talked about it, so probably should. Um, so, John sees some new enemies, some new monsters, 
a couple of them are tar basilisks, which are kind of like big tar salamanders uh, with nice sharp mouths. Um, and there's also Sh- a, I'm sorry, sharp mouths. Like mouths full of sharp teeth. Yes. I don't know. You said uh, sharp mouths, and it's like, God, what? Like, are your do they have like like I just like, thought of like a continuous gum ridge, like sharpened <laughs> to a point. Uh, yeah. No, it's not that. Um, and then there's also a, a copper gyclops. Gyclops! Gyclops, okay. What, what does that mean? It's just a portmanteau of gigantic and cyclops. It's a gyclops. I, that's a, that's a very weak portmanteau. I know, isn't it great? I feel like it's very evocative. I don't know. Is that, is that addressed? Is that explained anywhere? No, it's just Because I didn't, I did not pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you... I guess it didn't work for you, but, like, I, I have always immediately parsed it, and I'm just like, it's a Gyclops, and it's this, like, du- like I don't know, this, like, dour-looking, like, enormous brown creature with, like, a pronounced brow ridge and, like, one See, huge you, eye. What? You describe it that way, but to me it looked kind of, like, dumpy, like a very... Silly looking. Oh, it is very silly looking. I, I do mean that it, it was comedically such. Right. It's it it's a silly looking cyclops thing made of copper, um, with just kind of like stumpy legs and a big torso and big arms, um, but it's huge. Like it's uh bigger than the ogres we've seen mm-hmm. by quite a bit. Uh, and um, John is wondering about how to uh, how to handle this. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to Jade, who's trying to move Dave's stuff around through the uh, spur game. Um, and she falls asleep mid mid uh, click, and she drops the toilet through the ceiling into Dave's room, knocking the cap off of the Cruxtruder. Which, if you haven't been paying close attention, is like, oh my god, now the meteor's coming! But, like, remember that the meteor was going to come at the same time, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I, th- I think Jade said that last time, explicitly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the the sprite is there now, and uh, Dave would like her to not uh, put anything stupid in it. Yeah, the, so... The turn that they use is... Uh, or, like, the, the repeated gag that they use is don't put anything stupid in the seizure kernel, which, like, do you have to make a joke about seizures? Like, they're I don't really... even under... Is it just because it's, like, flashing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty weak. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah. seizures are really bad and traumatic. I, f- I feel funny. like... Yeah, I feel like um, seizures are seen differently from, like, other medical symptoms maybe because there's so it's such a broad uh description of different things and it just if you've never had firsthand experience with the actual danger of seizures you just think it's like a funny visual gag yeah as opposed to like oh my god like i had such a serious seizure that i bit off half my tongue or i had such a serious seizure that i shook my eyeball out of my head or, yeah, or I had a seizure while driving. Yeah, like you don't. 
It's not funny. It's not funny. And it's, no. it, it's extremely painful. It's extremely painful for a lot of people. Uh-huh. And, like, so, like, traumatic in that way. Keeps you from doing lots of things. Um, and can, like, damage your brain. So, yeah, let's let's not see some... Let's not see jokes about seizures. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It was... And it was disappointing... I was sort of disappointed in, like, myself having... I mean, I was, you know, a 17-year-old kid reading this the last mm-hmm. time that I really, you know, chuckled at that gag. But it was just like, man, kids read this. Like... Whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's another example of early Dave being poorly characterized. Yeah, just like lazily being uh, like... Like a shock humor 13-year-old, which makes sense. Like, that's not a bad idea for a character, but the fact that he's not... Like, none of them are meant to actually be 13-year-old kids, really... Right, they're not, they're mostly not shitty in the way that 13-year-old kids can be shitty. Except for Dave sometimes. It's, or it's like... It's, this isn't like a self-aware, um, example of a 13-year-old kid having a shitty, making a shitty joke. This is Hussey making a shitty joke and thinking it's funny. Precisely. That is precisely what it is. Um, but, but, uh, it's not the only thing going on, so we'll talk about the rest of it. Yeah. Um, Dave is trying to find... Dave, quote, Dave lets lets, uh, Jade know that it's like fucking Christmas up in my bladder here, and uh, is trying to find some place to relieve himself, and uh, thinks about pulling that apple juice prank from Little Monsters on John. Uh, Is that... I don't know what Little Monsters is. It's... it's, I don't know either. It's just the movie where the, uh, the apple juice as pee gag from way early days of the comic uh-huh. was from apparently and john likes that movie and it's a bad movie and so he thinks about doing right. that and then he's like but that would be a ton of work so i'm just gonna pee in yeah. the shower and he, he he thinks about doing it as a uh, punishment for john liking terrible movies unironically yeah <laughs> and he just kind of like emphasizes unironically and like shakes his fist <sighs> um but then he decides that's too much work <laughs> Um, and then, as he's doing that, he's, like, off-panel, and, uh, Jade starts talking to him, being like, oh my gosh, this poor bird, it has a sword through it, I have to save the poor bird, this is Sleeping Jade, so Sleeping Jade doesn't necessarily have quite as good a grasp of what's going on. Um. Yeah, she doesn't have all the memories of, um, Awake Jade, and also it seems that after this happens, which is that, um, she finds this crow with a sword through it on the roof, Mm -hmm. and decides to put it in the curtain sprite, um, to bring it back to life. Yeah. Which, which, um, does the thing. It prototypes the kernel. Mm -hmm. Um, so now there's, like, a cool bird sword symbol, and she's like, oh, look, I brought it back to life. Isn't that great? (laughs) And Dave, and Dave's like, you don't, you're not very logical when you're asleep, are you? Right. Um, we get our first, so... So this motif of birds with swords through them um, is a repeated one. Keep an yeah, eye out we, for it in this comic. We saw we saw the bird with the um, shard of John's window early in the comic. Oh yeah. He like he launched a shard of glass out of his silidex and it skewered a bird. <laughs> yeah, it did. You laughed at why did you laugh at that? It's kind of funny. It's like sad also, but it's like kind of funny visual comedy, don't lie. 
oh, I'm so I'm such a jade. Oh. It's definitely like it is really sad, but like it's also just like I don't know. Like uh, Jade brings the bird sort of quasi back to life by prototyping it, and uh, yeah, she quote unquote brings it back to life. Yeah, it's not quite the same thing. No, but um. But so Dave just goes, now I'm stuck with this brainless feathery asshole, which is yeah. not the last time you, you'll hear that phrase. Good. Um, then he very cleverly, so this is, you know, good moments by Dave. Uh, Dave is trying to get Jade to wake up because she's kind of useless like this. And uh, he's like, which side of your bed are you sleeping on? Like, assuming there are two sides, which took me a second to figure out as a premise. But she's like, yeah. uh, what, the right what, what side. side are, what side are you sitting on, right. not sleeping? Right. What time are you sitting on? What side are you sitting on? He, she goes, like, the right side. And she's like, okay, reach out to your left and just kind of slap the air. And she was just like, okay. And, of course, her dream bot, like, in real life, her, on Earth, Jade's dream bot is sitting where uh, Dream Jade is sitting. So the dream bot is sitting on the right side of the bed. Which means, of course, if Jade is sleeping in the bed, she's on the left. And so the robot, like, reaches out and snacks her and, like, wakes her up. And uh, it's really yeah. good visual comedy. It is. <laughs> and, yeah, so that's pretty clever on Dave's part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we go back to the Desert Friends, who have finally made a campfire, which I assumed that they made last time, because it, it seemed appropriate. Yeah, it's okay, me too. Um, But they've made it out of munitions. Well, and just, crates. They've lit, okay, they lit some crates on fire, mm-hmm. and they just threw some bullets on there. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so, Aimless Renegade has some meats. He has, like, a full, like, chicken. Yeah. And, like, a ham. Yeah. And where did these come from? They came from, they're on panel, but it, it's... It's hard to recognize them. Um, they come from Jade's, like, refrigerator and her cookalizer. Oh. Yeah. So she had a fridge full of these, um, and assuming, you know, they're, like, nuclear powered, so I guess they kept everything fresh. I don't know. Uh, so they had, uh, you know, some vegetables in them, and then also those meats, because that's how she feeds Beck. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And, uh, yeah. It's okay. I didn't figure that out until this reading. <laughs> I just, okay. I was just like, oh, I guess he had meat somewhere. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sharing some, some meats, and then, um, AR gives PM, um, one of his two little tangle buddies, the the squid Mm -hmm. dolls, and she just, like, I don't know, we talked about how a lot of times they're drawn with, like, neutral faces, and she just, she just takes the, there's a panel of just PM, like, holding this squiddle doll, and, like, I don't know why, but I find that particular moment, like, extremely touching, yeah, I I feel like um, out of all their faces, which are pretty minimalist, um, PM has these little lines under her eyes for like bags, or at least that's how I interpret it. Yeah, and so it kind of like humanizes her face the most out of the other ones. Yeah, she's definitely yeah she is sort of the most, I guess, human of all of those characters. The other two are, are very much kind of um, caricaturish. Yeah, they're like. These, like, hyper-energetic, uh, not thinking things through before jumping in, little, like, these little, like, black stick figure dudes with, like, gnashing teeth. Um, and she's just kind of, like, this taller one who doesn't, who doesn't move around like that, and who has these, like, tired eyes, 
and like is doing stuff, not just like acting out her urges. Um, and it's this really interesting dynamic. Like they, I, they want her in some. I don't think they really understand what romance is. Yeah. Um, but they're just like, oh, girl must attract, um, but must like must woo. Um, but I definitely see it as more like a, she's the team mom dynamic. Yeah. And she's just like, so, so she is, she very much is sort of like the, the mom in some way. Um, and you know, like we know, like, I don't know. It's just implied that she's like kind of seen a lot. Cause like, yeah, she's got this like goofy, like dedication to the male, but she's also like, I don't know. She's like wrapped in these tatters and like carries this, like, enormous, like, gnarly-looking sword. And, like, she's such a... She she has such a gentle characterization, but then she, like, is not... She just, like, whips out this sword and, like, goes yeah. to defend WV. We but talked also, about that last week, like... Yeah, but also in this reading, we see her being pretty proficient at delivering the mail through, like, space-time, which is impressive. They do talk about um, how members, like, carapace people have a really good sense of space and time. Okay, that's cool. Um, although it's not really revisited, so it's, I think it's also just, like, she's just good at her job. But, yeah, she's, she's like, very competent and, like, just very, like, I don't know. And, and like, to just, she's, like, seen so much and, and she's just, she's just, like, finally not alone. And then she's just standing there holding this, you know, hundreds of years old, like, toy. And, it, you know, it's not... She doesn't interpret it as, you know, the romantic gesture that's meant to be, but it's just this, like, very, like, touching, like, I don't know, like, moment of connection and, like, I'm getting, re I get really worked up about PM for, like, we're gonna read more about her in this comic and, like, you're gonna understand why, um, but, like, mm -hmm. this, I found this really moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking about finding out more about these guys, we go to, um, back to the land of Shade and Wind and Shade, um, and we see a figure, uh, who has found John's dad's car, and this figure is AR? Mm-hmm. Um, it's written no, with a question mark, that's why we're saying it like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is AR, but in, um, the Jester outfit, Jester slash princess outfit. He looks so much less tough. It's so yeah. funny. Instead of having, like, a pointy head and, like, uh, squinty eyes. Well, I mean, I guess he's still sort of technically got squinty eyes. But, like, he's got this, like, completely round, like, cue ball head with a princess hat on it. And then, like, a goofy, like, pastel-colored, like, jester outfit. And he just yeah. is such a goob. Like... <laughs> yeah. Um. So he decides that this car, which has crashed into, like, the rocks and... There's pipes, like, coming out the top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been paled on these pipes. And he decides that it's parked illegally. <laughs> so he puts up caution tape around it, which is foreshadowing, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really funny. And he also, he sees the, um, the package and the envelope inside. Mm -hmm. And he decides that these are illegal contraband. <laughs> he, conf he confiscates them immediately. Um, the, the package inside is, so the, um, the, the disc inside is the suburb server disc and for John, for John and the package is Jade's birthday gift to John. Right. 
And, uh, and so he confiscates both of them, and then PM sees him and is like, wait a minute, I have a mini tablet. Can you describe PM's costume? Oh, yeah! Oh, I didn't say! So, okay, so then we see PM in the past, where mm-hmm. she is, um, she is a postal mistress. Yeah. Um, and so she is just wearing this, like, sort of medieval-y, like, like, jester-y themed, like, pastel outfit. She's got a little... Yeah, hers looks nice, though. It is, yeah, it's a cool outfit. Um, it says weird things about, like, where her torso is, I guess, <laughs> because I think it's supposed to have, like, a bared midriff, but it's, like, super low down, and, like, yeah. then she has a skirt on, and, like, it's... It's it's, it's pretty funny. Don't, 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 like, worry about it too much. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily follow the laws of, like, physics or fashion. Don't worry about her center of gravity. Don't, it's fine. She, she makes it work. Um, she is a million feet tall, so it's fine. Um, and she's got, like, a little, like, you know, pointy princess hat, like everybody does. And, uh, uh, and she's got her mailbag, and she's, she's making her deliveries, and she's got this, um, what exactly happens? She sees him, and she, she recognizes that he's got parcels, and she's just like, oh, I need to, you know handle this i i need to to pick them I up need to de- i need to deliver that mail i need to and, deliver the mail and remember he is he's an agent for the other kingdom because mm-hmm. he's a black carapace person so he works a for white the dark person. Person. yeah in the in the yes. as always like woefully uh i don't know uninspired Probably. Yeah. Uh, sort of coding of, of the, that imagery. But but yeah, they are from opposing kingdoms, and that could be dangerous for her. But she has a carved mini tablet, um, which obligates her to go pick up um, the object and, like, deliver it. Um, yeah, so the carved mini tablet, um, it is it says, from John. Or wait. Hey, or like, hey, it's John. <laughs> Sorry, this is shitty. And it's, like, a terrible drawing of the spirograph. Yep. Which, presumably, I'm pretty sure that was the cutscene that wasn't loading when we played the game at the end. No. No, that no, that's, um, that's later in this, it happens later oh. in this. There's no, there's no nothing, there's nothing that wasn't loading in the game. I'm so convinced. I found that game experience so unsatisfying, that, like, it doesn't, I must have missed that, something. That, well, there didn't need to be a conclusion, because it was just, like, the next page is the next page. Ah. Uh. I I found it satisfying satisfying because I went around and talked to everyone and found everything mm-hmm. and then I exited. Well, I'm that's true. The first time you play it, it is very satisfying to like be completionist about it. But then it's just like at, every time after that, it's like I was just making sure that I saw everything so that I could talk about it on my podcast. And it was like I know what happens here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These controls are so bad. But, uh... <laughs> So, so yeah, so, so, so yeah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> boo. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> um, oh god, it's like, do you know that post that's like, um, I love it when dogs haven't worked all the way up to a full bark yet, but they're a mad. Boof. So they just yeah. whisper, boof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dog does that. She just stands at the window and goes, <laughs> Yeah, me too. Mine too. And it gets like louder and louder until it's an actual bark. Yeah, but I love just thinking of it as whispering. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, they haven't warmed up their engines yet. <laughs> um, 
But in Homestuck. Oh. In Homestuck. There are no engines. Um, well, there's one in the car, but it's probably been impaled on a pipe now. It probably has been impaled. Um, so yeah, so AR has confiscated these packages, um, but PM has a mini tablet with a carved image of the spirograph, um, and it's from John, and it says, sorry, this is so shitty, and it is in fact a shitty drawing of a spirograph, but it says, like, from John. Um, and so she accosts AR, um, who probably isn't named that yet, um, but uh, she... So he is, um, he is, he is an authority regulator, so he's got the same initials. Oh, cute, okay. Um, right, so she's like, hey, I want those, like, they're part of the mail system. Um, but he's like, no, they're contraband, I have to, like, bring it up with my my superiors, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she's like, look, I have this mini tablet that says the spirograph thing is, the envelope is mine, and that is considered, um, like, authorized, like, assigned authorization. It is! It, that's because, how the whole system works! Because it says John on it. Yeah, but listen, I don't know, I thought this, I found this, so she doesn't exactly accost him, she, like, very politely walks up to him and goes, excuse me, like, I, I do the mail, like, I need the, I, yeah, I need the mail. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so he gives her the envelope, but he does not give her the, uh, package. So she drops the envelope into one of these mail pipes. And she's like, oh, the Breeze will take care of it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's up to the Breeze now. Um, and then she follows him as he walks off to wherever he's going next, because she must get that package. She's so dedicated to the mail. Yeah. So this is this is the beginning of um, the very interesting story that takes PM all the way to the desert future. The current, present, future. Yeah, past. so where she is, she's she's basically flashing back to this from the the future where she's this authority regular that regulator that's walked off with her package has now right. you know doesn't remember who she is and is trying to woo her and and has given her this little like beat up squid doll. Yeah, so I wonder if she recognizes him. She does. That's why. That's like why it reminds her. Oh. Yeah. So, like, she uh, remembers him, but he doesn't remember her. Right. So, as well as um, the mini-tablet, um, PM in the past somehow has a, a note from Jade. Uh, it's in Jade's handwriting, and it says, please deliver this, and it's a picture of the green package. Um, I don't know how she has this note from Jade. I don't think but, we know as readers yet. I think that's something yeah, that we'll find out later on. That's, yeah. Um, they'll close that loop later on. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit, it's a little, a little nug <laughs> that they won't fry until later. Mm. Mixing metaphors. Um, should we, should we have a little like list of unresolved mysteries at the end of each? Uh... Um, I feel like that's a lot of work. Yeah. If you want no. to, I support it. Can I help? <laughs> nope. 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 Okay, so after um, that encounter between um, PM and AR in the past, we see John again, and he's fighting these tar salamanders and uh, the copper cyclops. 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 Um, but he's not doing very well. 
These guys are a lot tougher than what he's dealt with so far. He's bonking them a lot, and it's just not doing any good. No. Um, but suddenly... There is a mysterious shape poking out of the trees, which we then zoom out to see is the barrel of an enormous musket, which goes off and uh, nails the gyclops in the eye. It also explodes um, the basilisk, which has John in its mouth and is, like, starting to gnash its teeth with him inside, which is a kind of terrifying image. Yeah, Jesus! Um, but it's fine, and it explodes into grist and tar. And its head. Like, for some reason, just its head is intact. And then, like, its entire body gets destroyed, and its head is just sitting there on the ground. Yeah, and John's just, like, sitting there blinking, covered in tar. <laughs> um, he's having such a weird day. Guys, he's having such a weird birthday. He is. <laughs> Remember, he's... it is the same day. It is a couple of hours since he started playing this game. Jesus. <laughs> um... So yeah, so the mysterious figure also shoots the Jacklops' eye, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of walks away. Yeah, because presumably but, it's so big, it doesn't put an enormous hurt on him, but it's just like, I yeah. have my eye. Um, and the text there is, the Jacklops absconds, yeah. which, like, absconds always makes you think, like, oh, like, darted out of the way, like, scooted off. But he's just, like, like, I mean, it's a still image, but we just see, like, his... Him just, like, walking away. He just slowly. shambles off, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's holding the huge-ass hammer. The, um, do you know the name of it? The Sassa Crusher. That one. Which John was using his ghost hands to lift. Mm. So that's not great. No. Um, but, um, speaking of Sassacre-related things, uh, we get to see the shooter of the gun, the gun and uh, I believe John gets a, a tiny glimpse of him. And it's somebody who looks a hell of a lot like Grandpa Harley. It sure does. We see, like, his, so his, like, outline is brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and his glasses and mustache are glittering, or not glittering, but, like, flashing red. Yeah, that's just from the firelight. That's just the lighting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he walks off with his musket. With a scope on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really funny image. Um, and this enormous Sassaker book. Yeah, he's, he's got a very new-looking copy of Colonel Sassaker's that looks an, that John imagines is his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if if we recall, I believe it was at the end of Act... Was it the end of Act 2 or Act 3 when um, Nana Sprite uh, laser beam eyeballed a bunch of... Uh, like, like a letter into that Sassaker book, and then, like... I think think it was Act 2. Yeah, and she, like, so she, like, wrote this note in it and then dropped it off of the spire. Oh, so John didn't see the letter yet. Yeah, John hasn't seen it, um, but apparently now Grandpa Harley has found it. Mm Mm-hmm. And also Grandpa Harley is alive and in the medium. Yeah. Well, or at least animate and in the medium. Right. Yes. Um... So that makes me, like, my first reaction was, oh, it's Grandpa Sprite? <laughs> um, but I don't think he's a Sprite, because he does he has, like, legs yeah. instead of a ghostly trail. Um, but that is a mystery mm-hmm. to add to the list. God. Um, it's more of a heap. Just, like, chuck it on the pile. Yeah. Um, but actually, one little mystery that we get to see nicely closed, like, open and closed in this reading, is that... 
we go back to the future with the desert friends, and PM sees a um, a chipped spirograph on the side of the temple, mm-hmm. and it jogs her memory. Um, and so she runs to the console in uh, WV's control center to talk to John. And what she does is, um, while John is fighting um, in a village of the Salamander people, mm-hmm. and he tries to um, put out a fire with a Barbasol bomb, and instead explodes it because it's a Barbasol bomb. And, and because, like, it's got propellant in it, and so it's uh, it's ex- uh-huh. highly explosive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the breeze uh, puts out the fire, which is convenient. Mm-hmm. And the, the capital B breeze, like yeah, a mysterious exactly. wind rises up. And the townspeople are all very grateful to John, assuming that he somehow did that. Yeah, which seems weird because, like, the breeze is their deity, but okay. Mm. They're not very smart, apparently. Um, but while they're, like, holding him up in celebration, uh, PM contacts him and is like, hey, do you have, like, a mini tablet? And he's like, yeah, I sure do, like a blank one. And she gets him to draw the spirograph and the sign, like, from John on this mini-tablet and drop it off into a, uh, what is it called? A pixite? Pixis. Pixis. Um, so we find out where she got that in the past. Um, so it, if you'll indulge me here, uh, this is the past of, this is, this is before the flashback that we saw before. Yes. But like just before, yeah. So so she she remembered seeing finding that tablet, and then caused it to be carved mm-hmm. it, before that. Right. Although it seems like someone instructed her to remember to do that. No, I, I thought it was just like she saw the spirograph on the temple, and then like that jogged her memory into like oh, like spirograph uh, that reminds me of mini tablet. Oh. I I wonder if John has done that yet. Well, but why is it? Why does she have a vested interest in having that? Um, because she remembered in the past that that. I know, but I know, but like, why is it? Why would she think that it was her responsibility to make sure it was created? Do you know oh, what I mean? Right. I think, right, right. and I don't. I I honestly don't remember why. Because it's, it's not like a Jade thing where she's seen like glimpses of the past and knows what what to do to make them happen. I believe it's that subsequent events make it very clear that it is important that to her past self that she had that she would already have that that tablet and like she later realizes how important the sequence of events was and realizes that she needs to set it in motion. I believe is how that goes down. Um, okay. Because like we said, and... like PM's got an agenda. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I love this character. She's a lady on the move. Yeah. Um, so she takes, she closes that little, uh, that little time paradox for sort of vaguely mysterious reasons. And, um, I just, but I just like, I guess, um, now that you've brought her motive into question, this isn't as open and shut, but I thought it was a nice little, like open and close immediately little time loop. Hmm. And it still kind of is. Mm-hmm. We just there's a larger mystery as well. Um, then we go back yeah. to Rose. Yes. 
who is uh, being addressed with more um, barely legible script. So Rose um, walks over to where her the mausoleum is supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, but it's gone because <laughs> it got blown off. Yeah. Right, because remember that generator exploded, that gas yeah. generator. Yeah, um, but the entrance to the secret tunnel is still there. Um, but obviously it doesn't lead to the lab now, so where does it lead? Well, she goes into it, and it's, like, really beautiful because, like, it's... Obviously, the other end isn't that far away, and it's, like, in the sunlight. So the entire tunnel is kind of, like, shimmering with, like, reflected light off the water. And it's all, like, lavender and white, and it's so pretty. This setting is so beautiful and eerie, and I love it. Freaking it feel- the same. It, it's, it's, like, like the, the land of wind and shade looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't want to go there. Yeah, I agree. This place, this, I want a vacation here. It seems, like, so pleasant. Yeah. Like, sun showers all the time, and white sand, and oceans, mm. and, like, just everything's pastel. Yeah. And there's, like, there's also, like, in in the hussy style of kind of found images of buildings. Yeah. Which we've seen, like, gothic, spooky-looking stuff. Um, in the Dark Kingdom. Here there were just kind of, like, corners of, like, lavender buildings poking out from the, in these sand mountains, which were really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, gosh, it's so lovely. Um, so, basically this tunnel leads out to a dock on this, like, calm ocean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Rose finds a rope and a martini. Yeah! So... So it's probably safe to assume that mom sailed away. Mom sailed away, and the caption is just, a mother will do whatever is best for her children. Mm. Which, oh, that one comes back. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so. And, I don't know, that's a very poignant line. So, it was it yeah. was very touching for me to see it the first time. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a rough cut. Yeah. Um, I do also, and, I do also want to point out that it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit, uh, hackneyed or I don't know, like let's deconstruct that a little bit, that it's, uh, it's, a, I mean, it was like a goofy thing to say, like it wasn't necessarily required there. Yeah. It wasn't necessary and it, you know, it's this, you know, idea of like mothers as like self-sacrificing people only existing for their children, blah, 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 blah. Like, they don't have any personal interests. Which, to be fair, that does also de- get deconstructed later on um, to some extent. But, uh, but like, man, as problematic as, like, uh, mom as mother first, like, storylines are, like, goddamn if they don't, like, just hit me, like, right where I live. Uh-huh. Um, so it's still, like, a really, like, I don't know, it's a powerful line. Or like it, it don't, I mean, it only is for me because like, I know, I know about what's, what's about to go down. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Um, so finally in this reading, um, we see WV declare himself mayor of exile town, Yeah. which is like all the ammo stacked, like stood on end to be like towers, um, and a bunch of other crates and detritus. And one of the squid toys is like perched on top of some crates yeah. as like the centerpiece of town. 
Um, and he says, or he, he doesn't say, but like the narration is that all um, expatriates are welcome in Exile Town. Yeah, so that's, the deal is, I, so you remember how I said, like, these characters have a name collectively and we just haven't uh, come across it yet? Mm-hmm. This is it. They are, they are exiles, the exiles from, um, okay. because, so obviously they are originally from the medium. Uh, they yeah. are from, they're, you know, they're, they're from Sky, uh, Sky, the, the respective sort of moons of the, uh, the light and dark kingdoms and, uh, in the, in the Incyposphere and then they, they end up on earth and they're just stranded here and uh hence now that now that we've seen you know their origins back uh-huh. or at least two of their origins it's meant to be clear to the reader that like that's what their deal is and so now they are exiles yeah i think i i had figured that out yeah um back in just when we need wv uh, right like they're uh they're we like knew about their origins but like now it's like making explicit like that like that they are exiles, I guess. I don't know. Right, okay. Um, but we, we, we're... I think it's fine if we still call them future desert friends. I like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and so WV, like, sets up this town, and he's like, this will catch the eye of that tall, nice lady. Mm-hmm. Which, I appreciate that construction just out of, like, the fact that it's not, like... I think nice, tall lady makes more sense, like, linguistically. Yeah. Like, the fact that it was, like, tall, nice lady stuck out to me in, like, a goofy way. Yeah, it's really, like, like we said, like, it's really, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a little bit, like, tired and unnecessary that they're setting up this love triangle, but honestly, the way that both of them, like, express this affection for, like, this, like, very innocent infatuation with PM is, like, so sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he thinks that this town will catch her eye. Uh, as it says, the grumpy yellow guy thinks this is dumb. (laughs) Um, and so he he declares himself, like, the head of the militia of Exile Town, which, which means him just, like, standing around with some ammo. <laughs> he just stands up a bunch of bullets in rows and then stands in front of it. Yep. Um, and that's where we end today. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been this week. Um, I guess now we're going to do questions. So if you want to ask us questions... You can do that. You can do that on Tumblr. You can send us an ask where we are, hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask, or you click the button. And uh, we have an on turned on, so say hi. Um, And we also uh, have a Twitter. You can follow us. We are at hamsteakpodcast, and you can um, send us an ask, or you can send us a DM. Um, oh, and, uh, so I did also want to take a second to say that, um, I guess because Homestuck is ending, like, more people are coming back and searching the tags, or people had maybe heard of us and thought now was a good time to catch up or something, but, like, we saw a lot of new listenership this week. Yeah. Hi, you guys. Um, <laughs> hi. Thanks a lot. Um, hope that you stick around. Hope that we, uh, continue to entertain and enlighten. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed being able to, like, I don't know. I imagine most of you have probably read Homestuck already and, and you're you're catching up, but what do I know? So I hope that you're enjoying, like, this kind of, either this trip back to the past or, like, getting to to read read through it for the first time with with some people. So, and yeah, some, feel free to ask some... us stuff. Yeah. Um, so our only questions this week come from Dwellington on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have three questions from... 
Dwellington this week, but one of them was saying, sorry, none of my questions are about Homestuck. <laughs> um, one question is, since you are talking about crows in this part of episode 16, A, how do you two feel about crows? And B, what are your favorite animals? Possibly also favorite birds, if you have favorite birds. Hmm. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about crows and then what are our favorite animals? And or birds. And or birds. What are um, birds? So, we just don't know. My, I, I am, I love crows. Like, I love crows. Nice. Um, how do you feel about crows? Um, are crows, well, they're not the same as ravens, but they're still smart, right? Oh, yeah, like, I think both are considered pretty equally smart. Okay. I don't know. I um, like crows. Crows are crows are more social. Like ravens usually hang out in pairs, I think, or like small groups. Mm. Um, crows have like group dynamics, like mm. very, very social lives. Um, so yeah, I mean, crows and ravens and other corvids, like magpies, and other ones that I don't know the names of, um, are really smart birds. Um, like most people probably know that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't. Most internet um, but, people who are listening to our podcast probably know that. I would think so. But, like, they're super, like, clever at, like, spatial puzzles. Like, you can, like, put a tube, like, a worm in a tube and give them a piece of wire. And they will bend the wire into a hook to put into the tube to get the worm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Aww. Um. Yeah, it's amazing. Or, like, they can... Oh, and it's not even that. They, um... They use the hook to, like, grab a stone to put into a beaker to raise the water level to get a worm. Whoa! Oh my god! Which is, like, like three other layers. Um, they're, they're so smart. Um, and I love watching them, because, like, often, if you're just looking at some crows, they can, they, like, they play. Like, they are playful animals. Aww. Um, they will, like, dive bomb each other, or they will, like, swing on a branch. They're, yeah, they're super great animals. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. They'll, like, land on, like, very flimsy twigs and, like, bounce around on it. Yeah, I saw one the other day that, like, was, like, flapping on the branch to go really high and, and, and low, and then, it like, the, the branch broke. And they, like, flew off with the branch <laughs> in, their, in their talons. That's really cute. Uh, and, their, 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 like, their friend was watching. Yeah. <laughs> they are probably one of my favorite animals. Um, but I, I hate choosing favorites. Um, I, I think, like, kind of aesthetically or, like, essentially, like, in essence of what it is, my favorite animal is the, um, the fruit bat, like, the really big ones, the flying foxes. Because I love bats and I love foxes. And there's, like, nature was gracious enough to give us a hybrid of them. Yeah. I mean, not literally, but, like, a bat that looks like a fox. Oh. And, like, it's, like, the biggest bat, and it's, like, amazing that such a large mammal can fly. Mm-hmm. And it eats fruit, and it has big eyes. It's awfully and cute. It is. And, oh, there's so many videos of, like, rescues mm-hmm. of, like, the, like, those guys in, like, a blanket with, like, a, a bottle. Yeah! I love them. Mm. 
I want to work at that rescue place. Yeah. Oh, that reminded me. Oh my God. Okay. So I was going to give, I was really, I was not sure about what my answer was going to be, but Mm -hmm. then you talked about rescues and Mm -hmm. cute things. And then I remembered that actually the one that I want to say, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't have a single favorite animal, but the animal that I want to give as my favorite right now is the seal. Specifically Uh that one seal that. The the Weddell seal? Lebs. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we should, we should, that's going we should, in the show um, notes. If you haven't seen exactly. the seal, you have to, it, I swear to God, it fully articulates the word B-L-E-B-S. Yep. S? Um, S. S, S. Um, yeah, that, t- the video is titled Crybaby Learns to Swim. Oh my God. And it's, it's a young Weddell seal, which is an Antarctic seal. Not a Weddell seal, not like a cute Weddell seal, but a Wed. Weddell seal. <laughs> a Weddell Weddle seal. Um... Yeah, like, at, like, an ice hole, um, not wanting to go into the water and making that very clear to the cameraman beside it. <laughs> or camera people beside it. Yeah! Just, um, like, 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 noses it with, like, their face and then, like, looks up at the camera and, like... And, like, snorts out the water and, like, that. <laughs> and a couple times it just goes, like, ah! <laughs> it's so cute, because they're basically dogs, but, like, chubby yeah. and... With no legs, <laughs> or like yeah, I think there's also a video of like a Weddell seal like coming up and just like li- lying next to like curling up next to a dog. I don't think that's a Weddell seal. I think that was um. Oh, that's a sea lion, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, because um, there are no dogs in Antarctica, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on a beach. Yeah, um, but yeah, the thing about Weddell seals is because they're from Antarctica, they have like no, um. Like fear of humans. Oh, and luck. And luckily, so far, that hasn't been a bad thing, which it usually is in like populated places. Yeah, where that makes us just immediately uh, extinct them. Yeah. Um. No, it means that scientists can get right up to them and just like take footage, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my god, I love little blubs. Yeah. Um. We have another question from Dwellington. Okay. Which is actually a good question. Well, I, this is a good question, but, like, an actual question about Homestuck and not, like, one that will send us on a ten-minute tangent about animals. Mm. Which maybe I should, maybe we should have, like, a uh, Talk About Our Favorite Animals podcast. Maybe. That'd be, oh my god, if you did, like, um, uh, what is the, po- uh, it's the one, it, L. Collins's podcast. Into it? Yeah, like an into it, but instead of media, it's just animals. It's animals? It's just, like, reviews of animals, and they're all 10 out of 10? Yes. <laughs> um, actually, before we get to this question, I just want to say um, something that I've... Well, I think all the, the facts that I said today, I learned from um, David Attenborough specials on Netflix. Aww. So if you like animals, you should go watch those if you haven't already. Mm. But a YouTube channel that I've been watching... And is fantastic for, like, actual, like, animal advice mm-hmm. and, like, seeing cool animals. Is this, um, this place called Animal Wonders Montana? Which, oh, with um, the red-haired lady that loves everything. Yeah. Um, so, like, this is a, like, a an exotic animal, um, shelter, basically. Like, rehab center and education center. So, there are all kinds of animals that you would not expect to see in Montana that like they've either like taken that like, cause the, they didn't work as pets 
or like that they found or whatever. Um, and they have like, she has such, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Jesse. Mm. Um, she has like such amazing, like she cares, like she has a special, like most of the animals, like to work with humans, you need to have like a special bond with them. Mm -hmm. And she has a special bond with like every single animal, like 200 animals. Like all of them think of her as their mom. Um, and she like knows like the needs of every single one. Um, and like explains to you like proper care for your exotic bird or your guinea pig or your snake. Um, and like shows like this footage of them. And like there's at the place, there's like guinea pigs who are best friends with capybaras um, because, because both of those like are social animals and they're like similar enough that like they think of each other as family. Oh my God. But like, but, like obviously, obviously like the guinea pig is smaller than the capybara's head. Oh my God. That's adorable. Yeah. It's so it, that's animal wonders, Montana, mm. which we should probably put in the show notes as well. Yes. God, we're like full of them today. We are. Cause we're talking about stuff that isn't homesuck. Mm-hmm. Um, our final question from Dollington is, what do you two think will be the legacy of Homestuck? Dismissed as a childish and, ooh, dismissed as childish and forgotten? A cult classic, but really long form? Like a, D, a TV show or a niche anime? Will it be studied? Um, definitely the latter. Definitely a cult classic. Um, definitely going to be studied for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably already uh, some academic paper. You know what? I'm going to check Google Scholar right now. Uh, 58 results. <laughs> wow. From pulp to webpage, Homestuck and Postmodern Digital Narrative. Uh, Jared Grogan, Kids and Fun, a rhetorical analysis of Homestuck. Uh, wow. Um, a couple of years ago, there was um, a video from Idea Channel on YouTube which is like this channel that dissects popular media and like internet things through the lens of like philosophy and like other stuff like that. And it compared um, Homestuck to uh, James Joyce's Ulysses. Yes. Basically um, as this like incredibly long text that is like, subverting and also like the epitome of its medium um it, it's a cool I, re, I actually rewatched it yesterday because i was like reminiscing about old videos um <laughs> and it's like it's, it was actually like i'd heard of homestuck before but like at that point i think like the the kernel of my interest in actually reading it was planted i think so i think that was what i think that might have been what started that conversation between us like you had shown me the video a few days before and then we had started we like started talking about it i think you're right so it wasn't a few years it was like a year ago yeah um yeah so i think it's already being studied and i don't know cult classic i guess i guess like i don't know how to how to define a cult classic but i'd say homestuck is that kind of thing yeah for sure. Um, we yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to say, like, it's interesting because it is, it is both explicitly a comedy and, like, very dramatic. Like, it, 
I don't know, the genre's really hard to nail down, um, which I guess is kind of what makes a cult classic, among other things. Um, sure, yeah. So, not necessarily as, like, categorically, like, that is the kind of thing that becomes a cult classic, it's just, like, yeah. it, that's often how it happens, because you just read it and you're like, what? It's just, yeah, I definitely think it's gonna be, it's gonna, um, it's gonna hang around, it's gonna be... I don't think I can think of a particular piece of media that I could compare it to in impact because I think it is sort of a very uniquely, you know, early 21st century phenomenon. Um, but I, I definitely think it will be studied both, you know, I'd like, I'd love to see more like literary analysis of it because there's a lot of like literary stuff going on here in terms of like form and in terms of like content. There's all kinds of stuff going on there, but then yeah, also like the social context, which is the uh, scholarly articles that I'm currently seeing. Um, definitely, man, like the phenomenon of, of this fandom uh, and the way that it engages with its own fandom and the way that the fandom engages with itself has all just been, like, very interesting to yeah. observe. So, yeah. Yes. Good answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, if you would like to find us on the internet, I am Leaf Crunch on Tumblr and Crunchleaf on Twitter. I'm Brickchip on Tumblr and Twitter. Lydia. What pages are we reading for next week? So next week, we are going to be reading pages 3402 through 3507. Uh, and then we're going to tell about... <laughs> we're going to tell... We're going to tell about it. <laughs> we're going to tell about it. Um, from But also, what? we're going to tell about it together. Yeah, in physical space, not just in the constructed synchrony of a Skype call. On yes. account of, I I think we talked about this last week, uh, we did. Air Canada gave me free money because of an overbooked flight, so I get to go to Halifax for, like, 30 hours. Yeah. Woo! So, we are going to take the time that we get together as friends and record a podcast. What the hell? It's, like, our primary activity anyway. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so, hope you guys... Uh, enjoy that. Um, Feel free to ask pop. specific questions. I don't know what kind of ridiculousness you might want to come up with, but if you have like, like, like Lydia, what? How many freckles does Alex have on his nose? Do you have any freckles on your nose? I don't know. Oh. You'll have to find out next ah. week on podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned, you guys. <laughs>